Ladies and gentlemen, on behalf of the California Angels and the City of Los Angeles, on the occasion of Her Majesty's royal visit, please welcome internationally renowned opera star Enrico Palazzo. So, ladies and gentlemen, let us honor America as Mr. Palazzo will now sing our national anthem. The most expensive noise, a podcast featuring mostly true adventures in the world of opera, with your host, Adam Flowers, and now, the orchestra tunes, the baritone empties flask, the lights dim, and the curtain raises on. Episode 1 Opening Night Ladies and gentlemen, this afternoon, the National Broadcasting Company is proud to present an opera by Jerry Lewis. <laughs> this new American composition is entitled, Il Trovatore Goes to a Nightclub, <laughs> or How to Get Huckled for a Buck. <laughs> Dean Martin plays the part of Jerry Lewis. Jerry Lewis plays the part of Dean Martin. <laughs> Neither man felt equipped to play the part of Dorothy Kearse. <laughs> the scene opens in a restaurant with Dean and Jerry, as singing waiters. I've got the spaghetti and meatballs ready to cook. You should have. You've been working on the spaghetti for three whole days. Yes, but it's all your fault that it took so long. You made me go through each piece of spaghetti with a pipe cleaner. 
front door of the club opens, and in sweeps the beautiful Miss Kirsten. She sits down at the table. <laughs> she should have waited for a chair. On the stage of the War Memorial Opera House, the home of San Francisco Opera, the tenor sings his aria to a hushed and expectant season-opening audience. The men's chorus and some of the secondary soloists await their entrance. Light trickles through the set and punctuates the darkness backstage as we prepare to enter at the signal of the assistant stage manager. The music pouring from the orchestra and the tenor is dampened by the set, and as the tenor finishes his aria and the audience's applause begins to decay, the maestro strikes up the orchestra once more and we enter en masse to our places on the stage. The gold leaf of the opera house walls and balcony glimmer in the dark of the house and an elaborate bunting of fresh multicolored flowers adorning the balcony edge below the private boxes can just be seen beyond the glare of the footlights glow. The maestro leads us through our chorus number and we all perform our staging just as we've rehearsed. This may be the finest group of people I've ever performed anything with, talented men performing at the peak of their craft. On this night, there is a quiet but insistent feeling that we can do no wrong. The world-class orchestra performs with alacrity and brilliance. Everything is correct. Everything is as it should be. Enter now the titular hunchbacked court jester Rigoletto, performed by Jelko Lucic. He has come to face us, the courtiers, and, in the words of Wikipedia, tries to find Gilda by pretending to be uncaring as he fears she may fall into the hands of the Duke. Lucic begins his aria, Cortigiani Vilrazza Danata, a cursed race of courtiers, condemning our culpability in the kidnapping and rape of his daughter. As he builds emotional and musical momentum, the evening transforms from a textbook exhibition of musical and dramatic facility into a personal evocation of one man's emotional despair. The burnished sweetness of Lucic's voice makes the naked honesty of this acting performance uncomfortable to watch, uncomfortable, because even as a performer who would normally be professionally engaged in utilizing a modicum of practice detachment, I'm caught flat-footed by my own visceral response to his performance. As humans, we all reach a moment of utter despondency at least once in our lives. If you haven't yet, don't worry you will. That is a guarantee. To experience this state is wretched. To witness it in someone else can be equally horrific. To witness it while on stage in a professional capacity, knowing full well that it is make-believe, would normally elicit professional respect or even admiration. Not on this night. Oh no. All of composer Giuseppe Verdi's considerable skill and all of Zielko Lucic's considerable talent are conspiring to elevate this moment from merely an expression of artistic excellence into that most jarring of miracles. Naked, raw, ungovernable emotion conveyed anachronistically through the medium of precise, even delicate musical expression. When done truthfully, like this moment on this night, it is utterly wrenching. Beauty and brutality and delicacy and destruction and devastation and truth and artifice collide and confuse and force one to empathize and analyze one's own true heart 
It is excruciating and it is glorious and it is why we do what we do. So here we are on this stage, on this night. Hundreds of people have conspired at great personal and corporate effort and expense to create something that is essentially unnecessary. Millions of dollars have gone into this one night. No one was fed by it. No one was cured of disease. No one will leave the theater with a physical artifact to show for their considerable artistic and physical exertions. And that, to me, is what makes this so important and necessary. We do it for a simple reason, because it can be done. And in so doing, it pleases us. That may be the noblest reason to do anything. Out of nothing, a massive artistic undertaking has been birthed painfully into existence. It will die as soon as it is born. It will leave no physical trace. It will merely transform forever all who come into contact with its beauty and brilliance. His aria over. Rigoletto slumps with his broken and brutalized daughter in his arms, and the shamed courtiers flee the stage in their own guilty convictions. The opera continues to its conclusion. The audience applauds, the players bow, the patrons shuffle towards the exits, the lights click off, one by one, the building empties, and the great work is no more. We'll return to the theater for tomorrow night's performance. Will that alchemy of that one moment in time be recreated tomorrow night? Probably not. That magic rarely occurs often enough to even recognize it for what it is, a transcendence. A moment which marks the you you were before it and the you you will be ever after. But we practice, sweat, bleed, cry, and hope that we may experience that flickering miracle just one more time. It is the magic that makes our lives make sense. It is our opera. It is our work. present to you the very strange tale of Dragana Djokovic del Monaco, otherwise known on the internet as the Drunk Carmen. Sometime in 2007, a friend of mine sent me a video that they found on YouTube. Um, it was merely titled Drunk Carmen. Because I am, like many singers, enamored of mistakes on stage because we all make them. And if we can't 
celebrate them and revel in them, then we'll basically just stay at home in the fetal position. Um, <laughs> so here was this video, Drunk Carmen, and it's a video of a live concert performance I found out later in Belgrade. And it features the mezzo-soprano Dragana Djugovic, no, I'm saying that wrong, Dragana Djokovic del Monaco. And uh, she begins singing the final duet from Carmen and immediately, as you can hear, something is horribly wrong. And my first reaction was, oh my God, poor thing, she's like having a stroke. But then you realize, no, she's not having a stroke because it wouldn't last this long, but she's probably drunk or something is going on. And you're totally, you just, your soul is cringing, especially if you're a performer of any kind. This is like a nightmare. But then the tenor, who looks like a ninth grade biology teacher, uh, grayish hair at the temples, uh, male pattern baldness, stocky, um, kind of uh, 1980s dad glasses. Um, he starts singing and I immediately forgot the drunk Carmen because this guy had this kind of this massively spinto tenor voice that almost had the color of a Verdi baritone and here he was singing this part of Don Jose and so I'm like wow okay this guy's great and then she starts singing again and it brings you back into the terror of the moment and you begin to see her kind of drooping mouth and drooping eyes and he has this look of like restrained terror where it didn't read past the proscenium of the stage, I'm sure, but we can see through the camera and we know if we're performers that he's just like, okay, I've got a paycheck in my dressing room. I've got to survive the next six minutes of my life and I've got to do it with the least amount of hassle and trouble. And then she comes back in and she's... <laughs> And he is, you can see him slightly tense his upper body every time she opens her mouth. And it's just this nightmare. It's this nightmare. It's the kind of thing, it's the stuff of anxiety dreams, but it's happening. And it's just total car wreck. You cannot look away. And yeah, it's pretty intense. It's pretty intense. But what struck me about it, what made me watch this so many times was how great this Ukrainian tenor is, and I'd never heard of him, and how he's just totally holding it together like an absolute pro, and she's in some sort of distress. Um, there have been several explanations I've read on the internet. Some have just been that she's just drunk. Others have been that she had had something to drink and that it interacted with a medication poorly. Um, she's dehydrated. I mean, things happen, things happen. And so I, I have no judgment for her, poor thing. I mean, it's just, it's the stuff that nightmares are made of, but it's more than that because this guy opens his mouth 
and you don't want it to stop. So it's like, it's like if there was a, a car accident, but the debris formed this incredibly beautiful abstract sculpture of some kind. I mean, I, I don't know how else to put it. So this of course makes the rounds of pretty much every opera singer I know and some people are upset that people are sharing it because it's this woman's mistake. Of course, it's not a private mistake. It happened in the open. We've all made mistakes and I've even committed some to, to either film or audio. And you know, my feeling is that's those are the breaks. You take the good with the bad, but anyone trying to be malicious about her, that's probably not very fair. So I tried to find out as much as I could about both Dragana um, Djokovic. That's how I initially heard her name. But then I read more, and her full name is Dragana Djokovic del Monaco. And then I also tried to find out as much as I could about Alexei Steblianco. He was kind of a standby stalwart with uh, um, the um, Mariinsky and uh, uh, all these diff great, great opera houses in uh, the former Soviet republics and was just so impressed by his timbre and clarity and strength. And then at the very end, when she goes to bow and they bow together and she goes like she's gonna bow again. And of course the audience is just, it's this stunned applause like what? just happened and he so gracefully and so subtly grabs her to keep her from bowing a second time so i just was enraptured by these two sorry <laughs> sorry i love that part it's just like it's like when you see somebody fighting two drunks fighting at a party Anyway, so this thing is just, it's amazing. It's an amazing audiovisual document. So over the years, I tried to find out as much as I could about it. And it led me down what I like to refer to as the Dragana Djokovic del Monaco wormhole. Because it just gets better. Well, now, Don Jose has just killed her. And he's probably very grateful because now she can't drunkenly slur anymore. Bravo, Alexei. Let's just listen to this. That's a hell of a voice. Wow. Anyway, okay. So I was reading about this. And here is what I found. So I, I noticed Del Monaco, and I'm like, I wonder if that's just an operatic affectation. People love to add like Italian sounding names to their name, or if it hearkened, if it had any relation to the famous Italian dramatic tenor, Mario Del Monaco. So one of the first things I found was from a great operatic uh, blog called slipped disc it's irreverent it's got all kinds of fun facts but it, it's, it's a great website so i will read this from slipped disc 
the remarkable singing wives of knife victim Claudio del Monaco, December 29th, 2011, by Norman Lebrecht. The opera director, who is fighting for his life after being stabbed in an apparent domestic incident in Italy, <laughs> God, is the son of a successful tenor, the brother of an important director, and the husband of two opera singers who may not be remembered best for their singing. Ouch. The first, Dragana Djokovic, is renowned for a YouTube concert performed... Uh, sorry, a YouTube concert performance of Carmen for which she had not been breath tested. <laughs> God. Um, it is reported that this epic performance may have cost Claudio his job at Belgrade Opera. Wife number two, who is reported to be assisting police with their inquiries into the domestic incident, is a German soprano of immense enthusiasm and variable intonation. <laughs> this is the shade. In this video, she performs a florid love song, blah, 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 blah. We wish him a speedy recovery. Okay. December 29th, 2011. This is another, this is a news article uh, that I found. Claudio Del Monaco, the opera director and son of the late Italian tenor Mario Del Monaco, is in critical but stable condition in a Treviso Italy hospital after he was allegedly stabbed multiple times by his wife on Wednesday. Del Monaco, 64, and his 35-year-old German wife, the opera singer Daniela Werner Hermann, were on vacation in Yesolo, Italy. When the incident occurred, Del Monaco underwent emergency heart surgery. Del Monaco told the newspaper Corriere della Sera, that Hermann used a 10-inch bread knife to stab him four times in the chest during a heated argument. I got to tell you, this is editor's note. You see this kind of stuff in popular media about the lives of opera singers, and it's never true, except it, when it is. Uh, one blow grazed his heart, the police, after being alerted by neighbors, found Delmonico face down in his blood-spattered apartment. His wife was found in a nearby piazza in a state of shock. She is said to be receiving psychiatric treatment at the San Donna Hospital. Locally, I have managed to escape, Delmonico told Corriere. Otherwise, I would have been slaughtered. Investigators are now trying to piece together the activities of the couple who had been spending the Christmas holidays in the seaside resort town near Venice. There were reports that the couple had been arguing over financial problems. <laughs> you don't say. Del Monaco and Herman are based in Belgrade, where he is a former head of opera at the National Theater. His late father, Mario Del Monaco, is widely regarded as one of the greatest dramatic tenors of the 20th century. Herman is also said to be suffering from an injury to her chest, also believed to be a stab wound, and had to be hospitalized. La Tribuna reports that Herman suffers from depression. Boy, talk about a buried lead, huh? <laughs> so, yeah, that's the wormhole of the drunk Carmen. And I, I found it so ironic that, you know, the son of the man who I first thought of when I heard Alexis de Blanco singing in that video ended up being tied to the very same drunk Carmen through a previous marriage. I mean, it's, it's a pretty cool story. 
I tell you what, uh, my uh, seventh grade baseball coach, Denny Walter, used to say whenever something weird happened on the field, uh, that's baseball. And, I, and, well, all I can say, and I think Coach Walter would approve, is that's opera. Descended on our inaugural podcast episode of The Most Expensive Noise, a podcast of mostly true adventures in the world of opera. We hope you've enjoyed uh, this brief foray into the rarefied air of high art, and we hope it doesn't smell too bad. I just want to thank everyone for taking a listen, and I'm going to see how this podcast evolves over the next several episodes. I already have some guests lined up, and we'll have uh, several features that you you might enjoy, some insights uh, from the perspective of performers, from the perspective of musicians in the pit, from the perspective of stage crew, stage management, operatic administration, um, accompanists, wig, makeup. These are all the things that go into making this the most expensive noise. And uh, I just want people to get a sense that uh, we in the world of opera are have a lot of really funny, fun, and uh, interesting stories to tell. Uh, beyond what you would think. Um, And uh, let's just figure out what happens from here on out. Anyway, uh, the curtain has descended. The players have bowed. The audience has shuffled from their seats and have exited out into the cool night air. We are left to take off our makeup change into our street clothes and pretend this whole thing never happened. See you next time when we do this all over again. Thank you, and I'll see you at the opera. in esclusiva Rai di quanto avvenuto alla scala domenica sera. Alagna Radames abbandona la scena, offeso dai bu.